Oh, such a great pleasure to be here. So overwhelming in so many ways. Um, and I want to thank all those who came yesterday. Rachel and I shared in a workshop with about 50 other people looking at um, the question, the lived reality of how do we live these values we espouse, how do we live them in the world today? So this morning we're going to talk a little bit about the need to be brave. We start with this reading A new day, and so we begin again today, and this is the hallmark of the religious life and of most spiritual practice. We begin again and again and again. Our starting place at the beginning of this year, our starting place today, is challenging to say the least. We face, we still face, incredible devastation of the life systems of the earth, We face undeniable calls for more justice for more people. We face political movements in our country which are, well, let us just say, hard. To say that this time requires of us courage is almost an understatement. Yet, what a great gift is this call. A call to courage, to give attention to the most important things. To to say that we are entering into or are in a brave time means that we have an opportunity to examine our lives, to look again for what is most important and most life-giving for ourselves and for others. Outside of us, the challenges are huge and sometimes overwhelming and seem sometimes insurmountable, yet, more often than not, we move into these challenges with strength and courage because of our convictions, because of the values we share, and because we have each other so that we can work hand in hand. What is asked of us at this time is harder, I think, than our proven ability to move out into the world with strength. Harder. More challenging than all calls to action combined, the brave time we are in calls us to self-examination and dedicated practice. It is the inner life that calls us now. This is what the great sages have said always. In the ever-present face of death, of greed, of selfishness and war, in the ever-present face of our own destructive and negative capacities? How do we find and nurture the sources of peace and compassion within us, which are the deepest needs of the world? It is one thing to respond to calls to action out of anger, out of frustration and fear and self-righteousness. And these common denominators, these common motivators bring with them a sense of strength. And yes, they do help us to accomplish certain aims sometimes. But when we work out of anger and frustration and fear and self-righteousness, we also simply add more of these things into the world. We add more anger and frustration and fear and self-righteousness, which breed more of the same. So I am each day 
trying to renew a commitment to devoting more of my time to my inner life and resources, to trying to learn more about my own angers and fears. And I'm trying to do this in a way that does not simply add it to my schedule as a way to do more. I hope that with this practice, I will become better at doing the most important things. And I invite you to join me in this practice. Well, there are a lot of things that we know about, and we can, ooh, we've gotten really good in a few months at really describing in detail how bad things are because, because things really are pretty much that bad in a lot of ways. And um, things are also good and beautiful in many ways that as we hone our ability to describe how bad it is, we forget sometimes to notice and describe the good that is growing. Well, it's a practice this life. At the beginning of last spring, a member of my congregation, a young person who is studying for the ministry, who is brilliant in so many ways, said, I think we should have a theme for this year. You know, we're going into an election season. There's a lot at stake. How about our theme this year is a brave year? I said, wow, what a great idea. I'm sure we could use bravery. Well, little did we know. (laughs) And how great that we got started a little bit early (laughs) to begin to examine what bravery means, what courage looks like in our life, because now we are in it, and the call is undeniable. We are called to live in this world We are called to live, not try to distance ourselves, not complain our way through. We are called to live in this world as people have been called to live in the world the way it has been forever. And destruction and brutality have been present forever. And if we became a little complacent in thinking that we had really solved all those problems, well, oh well. My, my practice, part of my practice is this. Oh, well. Oh, okay, here, oh, here, okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. It's, it's in my body that I'm living in this world, and I, I, I do... Things like this, which you know may look a little silly or feel a little silly, but I, I do them because they help me to remember that I am, my body is in this world with everyone else. So we began to think about, well, what does it mean to be brave? And then our, our images of bravery are, you know, they're, they're Walt Disney. They're, they're macho, big-chested, usually male, but some really wonderful heroines who are usually a little bit macho, too, and who are willing to run into fires and you know, arrows streaming down and bullets, and you know, if they get scratched, they always recover. That's interesting. because, But that's our image. So those brave people who do big things with a lot of 
I was going to say testosterone, but I won't say that. <laughs> but of course, the reality is that courage is present in every life, and not all of us are brawny and big and willing to run through arrows and bullets and fire. Nor are many of us called to do so. But we are called to witness and acknowledge. Grief and pain and injustice. We are called in our own lives to pr practice rather than merely professing our values every single day to face the reality of life and death, of love and loss, of justice, the possibilities for justice and the reality of injustice. Every single day invites us to understand more about what courage is. The opening of our willingness, and that's not just a heart thing, nor is it just a head thing. That takes both the head and the heart. That takes thinking and being, thinking and doing. Thinking, it's we think it through, we think it through, but we have to put our bodies into it. It's not just our minds that will change things. We put our bodies. We go. We march. We meet other people every single day. So we we began to think about what it would be like, especially after the election, how we were going to need to begin to strengthen ourselves. In fact, increase our capacities for courageous action. And I thought to myself, I think, even though I've never been a firefighter, I think it might be like being a firefighter. From what I understand, a firefighter spends most of their time in the firehouse, but. In preparation and readiness, pretty constant readiness. So, exercising, strengthening, making sure that we are friends in this firehouse, you know, dealing with our problems, always in a state of community readiness, physical and mental and emotional, so that when the call comes, we jump into our boots, we get in the fire, and we go to the fire, and we all rush in. And so I looked around and I said, "God, I hope nobody here is a firefighter, and I've said that wrong." But Later, a guy came and he said, "Well, I'm a retired firefighter, and that's right. That's right." I was like, "Oh, thank goodness." Preparedness, the not just the willingness to be called, but being ready to be called. And I think that this kind of preparedness is something that we must take very seriously now. So, not just. The call is coming. We need to stand up and do. Oh, oh, oh! Wait, wait! Oh, I can't. Oh, God! I made an appointment with somebody, and I have a concert to go to, and there's a basketball game on. Can I go later? And then I'll do a few exercises and give me a few days to pump up my muscles, and then I'll go too. Right? Because now, when someone is in need, we need to be ready to go. So, we've begun to think of ourselves as spiritual firefighters. That's an interesting metaphor. My friend. Blaze and Takarutamana is a Burundian Unitarian, and about 15 months ago, he was running for his life. He's a young. He was one of the assistant ministers in Bujumbura at this Unitarian congregation that we helped build. And the government of Burundi, woo, took a very bad turn.、Yeah, it looked a little bit like this, except they had a lot of people with a lot of guns, and they began killing people who were. 
opposing the government. And Blaze, by virtue of having become a Unitarian, became, in his own words, a humanist and a human rights activist. And he was courageous enough to say, this is wrong, this government. And they saw that on a video, and they had his name on a list, and he knew it, and he had to flee. So by great incredible luck, he had a visa to come to the U.S. for a training about UU ministry at Meadville Lombard. And in the month beforehand, he went back and forth between Uganda and Rwanda, Uganda and Rwanda, always on the move because there were Burundians who were part of the government in both of those places looking for young men like him. And he got on the plane, and he arrived 24 hours later in Chicago, and I, I met him. I knew that things were bad, but I didn't know how bad. And I said, okay, you know, thank goodness you are here. He said, and I can't go back. I said, I know you can't go back, so you'll have to figure out where you want to stay because you'll have to claim, you know, apply for asylum and all that. And he looked me straight in the eye and he immediately said, can I come with you to Corvallis? And I just said with no, I said, yes. And then I went home and I said to the members of my congregation, we have a Burundian refugee coming with nothing who needs us to support everything in his life. And they, were, they said, Where, what's Burundi? And I said, and he's arriving next week. <laughs> and we are now called. That... That is the kind of preparedness that I'm talking about, even when it surprises me, the ability to just say, oh, now's the time, here we go, here we go, okay, I'm going. I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what this is going to mean, I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but I trust that because I'm not going to do this alone, that there are other people, we will figure it out. And of course we have. What this time needs from us or is inviting us to do is, well, we can think of at least three things because three is easy to remember. We are called to spiritual deepening, which means to have the ability and the willingness and the discipline to calm and center ourselves. To calm and center ourselves amidst our anxiety and depression and fear, to learn and to have the discipline even to simply do this and breathe in and breathe in deeply, which calms and centers us. And then to be able to notice and accept our feelings, to notice them, to not imagine anymore that our feelings are the truth of the entire world, but at least to notice that they are our feelings, and then to begin to figure out how to use those feelings constructively rather than destructively. And that is a practice. And we actually have a lot of practice at using our feelings destructively to ourselves and to others. So if we are called to be prepared, we are called to the discipline of deepening our own religious lives, which means our ability to calm and center ourselves and notice our feelings and then respond instead of just acting out of them. So this is not brawn. This is not huge bigness. This is innerness. 
as a beginning. So spiritual depth and deepening, coupled with love for life and all the living. Love for the living. And that is a discipline too. Because what is there to love now? Oh, but you know, the thing is, (laughs) we love to complain and we're really good at that. So an interesting part of our deepening is to understand how much we really love to be the underdog, in fact, because it makes us feel more self-righteous. We've practiced that a lot. Isn't that interesting and a little bit too bad? Because now we have to practice love for all the living. Martin Luther King, you know, when I, when I saw a movie here, at the, soon before I left here, a movie about when Martin Luther King went to Chicago to do something, and, and the camera had panned the crowds on the side, and there were young white men on the side stripping down to their shirt sleeves, to their undershirts, saying things like, just let me get my hands on him, I'll rip him limb from limb. And it was in that moment that I realized what, what racism really was. The willingness to use our our strength to destroy, to kill. And Martin Luther King, knowing, knowing that, kept saying, we will love our enemies because they need it too. And we need it. And we need it. And And that's still so much bigger than I feel capable of, but it's a really good reminder Our call is to keep loving life in the face of death. Loving our own lives as we are dying. Loving the possibilities that every human life has. Knowing that we will each lose our life and the world will lose and gain and lose and gain and it will go on. And we need to be able to truly love this movement that we are in. And I'll I'll say that I I get some comfort from thinking geologically way way more these days, way more. I've told people recently about an essay by a Native American writer who I'm not sure is living still. Her name is Paula Gunn Allen. And this little essay, the title of it is, The Planet I Love is a Woman, The Woman I Love is a Tree, which I think is a koan. (laughs) But in in this little essay, she says, you know, the earth, this planet, is evolving and becoming what it is going to be in this cosmos. And we, well, we are just, we're just like the little surface of it. And the earth is moving and evolving in the cosmos. And we're, we're, just, we're just a little piece of it. And I want to say to you that that gives me relief. I'm relieved to know that what I have to do is my part, but I won't change the movements of the cosmos. Can I love the incredible, miraculous movement of the cosmos? I can if I try. So loving for loving the movements of life. And finally, solidarity. 
or togetherness. And that is a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a challenge even to be a congregation, sitting, you know, once again on our bottoms, side by side, and not even really being able to look at each other. Not remembering that we're breathing the same air and that we are really... And to look around at every person. I'm, I mean, I'm feeling my emotions right now. I'm a little nervous like I always am when I stand up here. But to think that, that I'm the only one who's feeling it and everyone else is just fine, well, that's ridiculous. Everyone in this room is struggling with something. And there is solidarity, oneness, knowing, accepting, believing that we are not alone. We're in a, we've just finished a capital campaign at, in Corvallis. Oh my gosh, maybe this was my career trajectory. <laughs> but we also have uh, people who are very, very active, very active, very worried about the climate, and that has just gotten harder. And one of them said to me a few weeks ago, she sent me an email, she said, I just want you to know that one of the climate scientists I listen to, who I think is very smart, predicts that human beings will be extinct in 40 years. Could you please take that into account in your building plans? <laughs> it's like, so I'm still thinking about that. So <laughs> I said, my, one of my first reactions was, well, that'll be a relief. Because if we're going extinct and we're all going down together, we're all going together and then I won't miss anyone. And that's the life of the earth. And we're just a part of it. But I don't think we're going to be that lucky. And we are going to have to still live into the future. And the only way we're going to do that is every single day. And the only way we're going to arrive at a future that's worth living in is if we begin to understand how to calm and deepen and strengthen ourselves and notice what is true in order to be able to love life, people, problems, evil, brokenness, to love the way the world is because everybody needs it. That's the only way we're going to get into that future, it will not just fall from the sky. Nor, unless we're unbelievably lucky, are there just a few people in the world who are going to take care of that for us. It is up to us. David White's beautiful quote that we have in the order of service what is courage? Courage is not necessarily the strength and the ability to run through fire, but it is the willingness to participate fully in life, in the way things are, in a community with other people, in a work, in our own inner truths, that is the face of courage. And you know as well as I do that this is what we are called into right now. This is for us a brave year. And may we only do the best we can. And may we do it together.
May it be so.